Nestled at the base of the iconic Royal Mile, Holyrood Abbey stands as a silent witness to nearly a millennium of Scotland's rich and storied history. 900 years ago, in the year 1128, the site was home to Augustinian monks after the Abbey was founded by King David I of Scotland, following an encounter that would go down in legend. A year prior, King David, during the sacred Feast of the Cross, ventured into the dense forests to the east of Edinburgh. And in that untamed wilderness, fate wove its intricate threads. Separated from his hunting party, the king rode alone, nature's sovereign amongst emerald giants. Yet peril lurked in the shadows, a monstrous regal stag suddenly burst from the undergrowth. The beast's thunderous charge left no room for escape. King David, a monarch of uncommon valour, was thrown from his mount. On the leaf-strewn earth, this regal stag descended upon him, fury gleaming in its wild eyes. In a desperate clash of fates, king and beast engaged in a mortal dance of life and death. There was a moment when the boundary between sovereign and wild creature blurred and courage merged with primal instinct. But just as the king was poised on the precipice of doom, salvation descended from the heavens. A miraculous sight manifested itself. A divine light appeared between the stag's antlers, forming a glowing crucifix. The beast, taken aback by this supernatural apparition, recoiled in fear and fled. It was an astonishing deliverance, an extraordinary moment when life and legend converged, forever etching King David's name into the annals of Scottish folklore. As a way of thanks for this miraculous act, King David built Holyrood Abbey the following year. The Abbey derived its name from the Holyrood, Holy Cross, as it was said to house a piece of the true cross in a golden reliquary. This religious establishment became a significant centre of worship and education in medieval Scotland. The Abbey, constructed in the Romanesque and Gothic styles, was a place of spiritual significance for centuries. It also served as a place of sanctuary for those in need. A protective aura encompassed the Abbey, extending for five miles to include substantial portions of the adjacent Tollyrood Park. Within this expanse of sanctuary, debtors sought refuge and reprieve, turning to the bailey of Holyrood House as their beacon of hope. Now, marked out by brass sanctuary stones, the outline of this area where many sought refuge can be traced along the Royal Mile. Those deemed deserving of its shield became more than just beneficiaries. They were christened Abbey Lairds. With this honour, they secured more than just sanctuary. They found solace in the very edifices surrounding the Abbey, where shelter and support awaited, forever sealing their place in history. Adjacent to the Abbey, Holyrood Palace's origins trace back to the late 1600s, when King James IV, envisioning a magnificent residence, gave it life. His aim was clear, a grand palace fit for Scottish monarchs during their visits to Edinburgh, providing a place where both royal life and state affairs could seamlessly coexist. And the finished palace is exactly that, a palace fit for royalty, with 294 separate rooms serving various functions, including state apartments, private apartments and exhibition spaces. 
This unique blend of the sacred and the regal is how Holyrood House earned its name, intertwining its religious heritage with its monarchical role. Throughout the ages, Holyrood Palace became silent witness to a multitude of historical events, and its halls hosted an array of prominent historical figures, many who helped shape Scotland as we know it. It's against this backdrop that you might find it unsurprising that some of them chose to linger beyond their time, and their spirits still remain in the hallowed halls of haunted Holyrood. Perhaps the most famous, or infamous, event to take place in the palace is the brutal murder of David Rizzio. Rizzio was an Italian courtier and private secretary of Mary Queen of Scots, and close friend of the Queen. Their relationship was so intimate that it gave rise to whispers and rumours among the nobility of the time. It was even said that her unborn son, the future King James VI, was a product of their hidden relationship. Eventually, and unsurprisingly, these rumours made their way to Mary's husband, Lord Darnley. Jealousy took hold, and a plot was hatched. On the night of the 9th of March, 1566, Darnley and his supporters overpowered the Royal Guard and burst into the Queen's chamber, demanding the Queen hand over Rizzio, to which she refused. It was reported that during the struggle, one of the attackers, Patrick Bellenden, even threatened the life of the unborn future King by aiming his loaded pistol at the Queen's pregnant belly. A further struggle ensued, and Rizzio was forcibly dragged from the bedchamber into the adjoining audience chamber, where he met a gruesome end, being stabbed reported 57 times. His lifeless body was callously discarded down the main staircase, and his life's treasures, including precious jewels and fine attire, were callously stripped from his corpse. Death wouldn't be the end of Rizzio, however. His ghostly apparition was soon seen regularly in the area where he spent his last terrifying moments. As the story goes, Rizzio's ghost is said to appear in the palace, often in the presence of women. His ghostly figure is described as distressed and appears as if seeking protection or assistance. It's believed that his spirit remains restless due to the violent and brutal nature of his murder and the betrayal he suffered at the hands of those he served. Towards the end of the 1970s, the author of the 1987 book Haunted Royal Homes, Joan Foreman, stayed in the palace to research the many stories associated with Holyrood for her chapter on the palace. She wrote of one room. I found it quite impossible to stay in this small supper or supping room for more than a few minutes at a time, and matters were made worse by the fact that the sense of horror which afflicts it appears to be concentrated in one single area, the left-hand side near the entrance door. The sensation is so intense that it almost seems to have weight, as though the very air was thicker at that spot. The room the author referred to is the room in which Rizzio met his murderous end. There's also a bloodstain on the site of the murder, often referred to as Rizzio's bloodstain. Over the years, there have been several attempts to remove the stain, but the efforts have been in vain, as no matter how hard it's scrubbed, the stain remains. And the floorboards have even been replaced, 
but the stain is said to soon reappear. In 1896, the palace welcomed one of the Victorian era's most notable psychical researchers, Frederick Myers. He travelled there to interview the wife of the palace's Lord High Commissioner, Lady Tweeddale, about her experiences while living in Holyrood. From an early age, Lady Tweeddale had numerous experiences that led her to believe there was life after death. But an experience one night in the palace is one that stayed with her more than most. On retiring for the night, rather than sleeping, she was sat upright in her heavy iron-framed bed reading. Alone and enthralled in her book, she felt at ease and comfortable until the heavy bed was pushed from the wall, as she described it, pulled violently. After the initial excitement, silence returned to the room, and Lady Tweeddale looked around for the agent that caused the movement. As she was doing this, the bed moved again. She is quoted as saying, I jumped up and saw that the bed had actually been moved, perhaps about a foot, so there was clear space between the head of the bed and the wall that hadn't been there before. After the second seemingly supernatural movement, activity ceased and Lady Tweeddale was able to rest for the remainder of the evening. That was until the following night, when the same thing happened again, with no rational cause. Due to the ongoing activity, Lady Tweeddale refused to be alone in the room, and this action seemed to put an end to that particular activity, and she was never troubled by the movement again. In the same year, Lady Tweeddale reported an even stranger encounter. This time it wasn't poltergeist-type phenomena that terrified her. This time, the event that made her blood run cold was when she saw a spectre. A lavish reception was held one evening, one attended by close to a thousand people. But as the evening wore on and guests started to make their way home, Lady Tweeddale, exhausted by her hostess duties, took a seat in a nook in what's called the throne room. Across from where she rested was a large heavy door that hadn't been opened for some time and was very securely fastened shut. From her position, she could still see the band who continued to play. She allowed herself a few minutes of peace where she could listen to the music and enjoy watching the remaining couples dance. Her attention was soon drawn back to the door, once securely fastened, now wide open. Emerging from the darkness, she could see a figure walking towards her, a figure she described as male, tall, dark and handsome, dressed in all black and wearing what she took to be a military coat from the period of Charles II. The figure continued his determined march past her and into the room where the band played, astonishingly walking through them as they continued to play, without disturbance, before disappearing through a centre window that looked out to the courtyard 15 feet below. After this figure disappeared, Lady Tweeddale ran to the bandmaster and asked if he'd seen the mysterious visitor before he vanished. No, was his reply. But I felt a draught from the door, the once again fastened door from which the figure first appeared. Although attempts were made to try and identify the figure she'd witnessed, at one point she felt it may have been Mary Queen of Scots' husband, the Earl of Bothwell, no one was ever conclusively identified as being the spectre, and his identity remains as much a mystery as his one and only appearance was. 
As you can imagine, given the substantial count of 294 rooms, the palace boasts an even greater number of windows, all of which require regular cleaning. Exactly the kind of prestigious and lucrative contract local window cleaners would fall over themselves to win, and the windows of one area of the palace would play an integral part of another notable haunting. The long gallery in the palace is a regal and historically significant space adorned with portraits of monarchs and historical figures. Decorated with ornate furnishings, the area was reported widely used and favoured by Mary Queen of Scots. In the late 1970s, numerous stories of disembodied footsteps were often reported, slowly and deliberately making their way along the length of the stately room. In late autumn 1977, a window cleaner was working in the room and clearing an area near the top of an open window. In true horror movie style, the window was half opened and as they moved it, they were shocked to see, reflecting in it, a human face wearing a stiff white ruff around its neck and a black coat and a collar which was turned up. Horrified by what they'd seen, they immediately left the palace, refusing to return and was ultimately forced into giving up the lucrative contract. Possibly the most disturbing and frequent apparition is that of the figure of a broken woman, commonly known as Agnes. Agnes's story starts in 1590, 11 miles to the east of Holyrood in a small village called Trinent. Tortured and tried as a witch during the North Berwick witch trials, Agnes Samson was strangled and then burned at the stake in 1591. This was not to be the end of Agnes, however, as soon her pitiful apparition began to appear. Over the past 430 years, Agnes has been seen in numerous places around Edinburgh, but most surprisingly, she's been seen in Holyrood Palace, even into the present day. In the 1990s, a young German diplomat had a chilling encounter with Agnes's apparition, prompting a hasty retreat from the room. He recounted a harrowing sight, a bald, naked spectre, ominously advancing toward him. Agnes made her most recent appearance in 2014, when a maintenance worker, tasked with duties at the palace after hours, spotted her at the far end of a brightly illuminated corridor. She again appeared bald, naked and grievously wounded. Her limping figure slowly approached the startled man with outstretched arms. The witness screamed in terror at what he was witnessing, and just as suddenly as she'd appeared, Agnes vanished into thin air. Why Agnes is seen in Holyrood, no one quite knows. If we look back to the origin of the North Berwick Witch Trials, it may help us understand why. And it may change our belief that it's not the location she haunted, but a person. The Witch Trials were instigated by King James VI, a fervent believer in witches, and who had been the apparent target of a wicked storm conjured by the accused witches while crossing the North Sea from Denmark back home to Scotland. King James lived in Holyrood at the time of Agnes's torture and barbaric death. Perhaps her spirit came back to visit on James some of the torment she had endured in death. Perhaps she came back to confront him with the horror of his actions. The true intentions behind her haunting may forever remain a mystery. 
No stately home would be complete without the ghost of a lady in grey, and Holyrood is no different to the likes of Edinburgh and Glam's Castle. Witnesses claim that a grey lady has been sighted wandering the palace's corridors and rooms. Her attire is often described as a grey gown, which gives her the name. Some say she appears to be in 16th century attire, while others simply see her as a shimmering ghostly presence. Unlike some of the more notorious spirits, the Grey Lady is not associated with any tragic or horrifying events. Instead, she's often considered to be a benign presence. Witnesses report her as a peaceful, protective spirit. She's been seen looking out the windows and gliding gracefully through the hallways. Visitors to Holyrood Palace, both guests and staff, continue to share their encounters with the Grey Lady. Some mention the unexplained cold spot and the sensation of being watched. While the Grey Lady's identity remains a mystery, some speculate she could be a former servant or lady-in-waiting to Mary, Queen of Scots. In the hallowed halls of Holyrood Palace, the echoes of history and the spectres of the past continue to captivate the imagination of those who dare to explore its enigmatic corridors. The whispered secrets of Mary, Queen of Scots, the mournful figures of Agnes Sampson and countless others, and the enigmatic, unsettling encounters that have been shared throughout the years create a tapestry of the supernatural. As twilight falls and shadows dance, the ghosts of Holyrood Palace serve as a poignant reminder of the rich intrigue and history of Scotland and the unending fascination with the realms that exist beyond the veil of the living inviting us to contemplate the mysteries that endure within these ancient stone walls.